I am. I can do what it says I can. I'm a believer, not a doubter. I'm a doer and not just a hearer. I am humble before the Lord. I'm obedient to the Lord. I am mature in the Lord. I'm enthusiastic about the Lord. I know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Amen. In your Bibles, uh, if you will, Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. Matthew chapter 5, verse 48. He says, therefore, you shall be perfect. Somebody say perfect. You shall be perfect just as your Father in heaven is perfect. Somebody say perfect again. You may be seated. You may be seated. Well, this is going to be our sixth and final sermon in the series that we have entitled In Pursuit of Perfection. And I've been defining pursuit this way as to follow after to, uh, in order to overtake, to chase, to strive for. And I said, when you start pursuing something, there is a goal or there is the, an aim. So therefore, we have a goal and we have an aim that we are shooting for, that we are striving for. And so therefore, as we do that, we must pursue it with all our heart. And so perfection, on the other hand, from a biblical viewpoint, is to be complete and mature in various applications of labor, growth, and mental and moral character. It is to bl be blameless and upright. And you may go back to some earlier lesson where we talked about that and showed you how that played out in the scripture. Blameless, uh, uh, perfection also means to be complete in integrity, whole and undivided, completely devoted to God. In other words, we serve God with a sincere and totally loyal heart. Our heart is not divided when we serve God with an attitude of perfection, and we are striving for perfection to serve him. In other words, we don't want a divided heart as we try to serve God, because with a divided heart, we would be serving God and man, or we'd be serving God and money. We'd be serving God and something else. So therefore, God is saying, if we're going to try to get to this point of perfection when it comes to our relationship with him, we have to serve him with an undivided heart. Amen? And then the last part of that definition means to reach the end, to complete, to become full or grown. And we looked at that in some scriptures uh, in the past also. You know, as Christians, perfection is the ideal. Somebody says the ideal. It's the ideal and the aim where we strive to grow, to mature, and become complete in Jesus. We looked a little bit at that last week. And we realized that absolute perfection is beyond human capacity. We, we understand that, that we can't get there in the flesh, but we strive for it. So it is still the goal of the Christian life. In this life, we understand that to live completely flawless is going to be hard to do, but we still have to aspire to be like Jesus as much as we can. I mean, just because we know that that's a hard goal and a, a distant goal in front of us, that don't mean we stop shooting for it. We don't lower our aim and we don't lower our desires just because something is difficult we, difficult, we still go at it with that much more zeal. And so the exhortation from Scripture encourages us to continue to pursue perfection in this life. I said Jesus expects his disciples to follow his example, to rise above mediocrity and to strive to be mature and complete in every area of our lives. You know, uh, you know we are grounded in this earth, but because we're in the world. But we aspire to be like Jesus. We're in the world, but we're not of the world. So therefore, as we live and live out our life in this world, we want to be more and more like Jesus. Amen? And I said, God, you know, does not expect his children to be subpar, substandard, or below average, or inferior. He expects us to be, you know, blameless and mature as we journey through life. And so it's important for us to understand that because God has set the bar at a certain level, we can't lower the bar just because we don't want to strive for what God has set before us. Amen? Now today, we just got through singing this part in the song you just got through finished singing. It says, uh, let's continue our pursuit in Philippians. Go to Philippians because that last part of the song was about this particular passage of Scripture. So it's a good tie-in. Philippians chapter 3. Verse 12 through 16, when I read, the Apostle Paul had just finished earlier in this chapter where he talked about the priceless, priceless value 
of knowing Jesus as the source of his salvation. See, he realized that he could not put his confidence in human flesh. In other words, all the things that he had gained through his heritage and Judaism, he counted them as loss to have that relationship with Jesus. He wanted to be personally, uh, uh, to personally know Jesus and experience the power that raised Jesus from the dead so that he could be a partaker of Jesus' resurrection. In other words, Paul said, I want to get so intimately involved with Jesus. I want to know him in such an intimate way that I can experience the same thing that he experienced when he was raised from the dead. And Paul understood that in order to do that, he couldn't pursue mediocrity. Amen? He couldn't pursue average. He couldn't pursue subpar. He couldn't pursue, I'm just going to barely make it through as a Christian. He had to pursue something higher. He had to have a higher goal and a higher aim. Because if you're going to try to identify with Jesus' resurrection, you can't do that just thinking on a low level. Amen. You're going to have to up the way you think, the way you see things, and the way you live if you're going to identify with Jesus at that level. And Paul is making this clear. That was his goal. That was his aim. He was in pursuit of that level of perfection. And he was determined to press on until he got it. But he made it clear in this passage that he hadn't arrived yet. But just because he had not arrived, he wasn't going to be subpar trying to get there. Amen. Just because you have not arrived yet, you don't have to be below average while you're on your way there. Amen. So now look at this. Let me read this, verse 12. He says, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on. Somebody say, I press on. I press on that I may lay hold of that which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me. He said, in other words, Jesus has set something before me. And I want to reach that goal that he has set before me. And that goal, eternal life, salvation, to be with him. He said he has set that before me, and I want to reach that goal. And I want to strive for it. I haven't got there yet, but I'm going to do everything in my power to get there. And he said, now I do this because Finley, he says, Jesus laid hold of me. Y'all, y'all better get that. He said, Jesus first laid hold of me. He caught me going down the road as a murderer, going to kill some folks, put him in jail, and he laid hold of me. And because of he laid hold of me, I'm not going to let him down. I'm going to keep pressing on until I reach the mark that he has set before me because he laid hold of me, made me his own. And I got to believe you all got to see that the Lord has laid hold of He met you somewhere and he laid hold of you and he put this goal before you and it's up to you to try to achieve what he has put before you. Somebody say he laid hold of me. That's the only reason you're here today because he laid <laughs> when, you, when he didn't have hold of your major, you wouldn't get up on no Sunday morning to, to come to church. I'm talking about he laid when, when he laid hold on me, he snatched me right out of the club life. When he laid hold of me. I didn't give it up quickly, and I didn't give it up easy, but, but when he truly laid, I had to give up some things because he had laid. Y'all better get this today. He says, now, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. Look, I ain't there yet. But one thing, somebody say one thing. But one thing I do, forgetting, somebody say forgetting. Forgetting those things which are behind me and reaching forward to those things with your head. He says, now in order to get where I want to go, I got to forget some stuff. And I got to reach for some stuff. And I can't do both of them at the same. I can't be reaching where God wants me to go and trying to hold on to what's behind me at the same time. And the reason so many people get stuck in life because they're trying to reach forward and hold on to some behind them at the same time. He said, I had to let go of some things. I had to let go of some things and forget some things that are behind me. Well, what did he forget? He forgot his pedigree. You know, he was a Jew's Jew. You know, of the tribe of Benjamin. 
You know, a Hebrews Hebrew, meaning his mama and his daddy was Jews. He was pure-blooded. You know, he had good pedigree. You know, he's like one of them AKA dogs. Y'all know what that, some of y'all got him. Y'all know what an AKA dog is, don't you? That means you can trace his roots back to somebody. <laughs> he wasn't no mutt. Paul said, look here, I had to give up my pedigree. Then I had to give up my prestige. So I tell you, I ain't messing with you. Don't you be laughing over there. You ain't, you ain't the only one got a little AKA dog. A lot of these folks got their AKA dog now. But look here, he said, I had to give up my prestige. In other words, I was highly educated. I sit up under one of the best Pharisees known, Gamaliel. And so therefore, when I met Jesus, I had to give up some prestige. Then I had to give up some power. Because when I met him, I was a Pharisee. And not just any old Pharisee. It said I was the top of my class. I was on my way to be the high priest one day. But then I met him. And he changed the course of my life. I had to give up some things. Then I had to, you know, give up some persecution. You know, because when I met him, I was going to kill some folk. And he took that from me. So he's saying, look, I don't forget all those things that are behind me because if I don't forget what's behind me, what's behind me can keep me from going where God wants me to go. The reason some people get stuck because they're spending too much time looking behind them. You done passed that territory. You've conquered that. Now move on to the next thing. Somebody once said that. That's why the, your, your rearview mirror is smaller than your front window. Because what's in front of you is more important than what you done passed up. And, 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 and if you're a good driver and you got good instinct, you know, you ain't going to let nobody just run up on behind you. Only, you look every now and then to see what's behind you. That's a quick glance. They just keep your head on swivel. I'm concerned about what's in, because what's in front of me can keep me from getting to where I'm trying to go. I'm not going to let what's behind me stop me. I've already conquered what's. Y'all better hear me today. The reason some people are not going to achieve what they want in life because they're still holding on to something that's be behind them. He says, I got to forget those things which are behind and I got to reach. Reaching there talking about stretching. Trying to, you, know, you know like when a runner runs and you get to the finish line, you very seldom see a sprinter go across the sprinting line standing like this. Them boys be... Why? Because I want to hit that tape before anybody else. And I, make, I can't get there if I'm just running straight up and down. Because I'm going to have to lean forward. I'm going to have to reach for that goal because I want to make sure that I get there and I want to let God know I'm pursuing with all my heart. Y'all better hear me today. See, see, I had to forget some of those things that are behind me and reach forward to those things which are ahead. Then verse 14 says, I press toward the goal. Somebody say the goal. For the prize. Somebody say the prize. Of the upward call. Somebody say the upward call. In other words, you know, I got a call from heaven calling me to heaven. This call didn't come from down here. This call came from up there. And he didn't call me to keep me living like I'm living down here. He set my goals and my aims up a little bit He said, now look, my goal is to get to heaven. That's the prize. You know, in sports, can I use a sports analogy here? In football, there's something called a goal line. And you only get rewarded when you cross the goal line. But that goal is always been... And every time you run a play, you're trying to get closer to the goal line. You don't want to go back. You want to go forward. But at the same time, you don't want to get to the one-yard line and call it a... You don't want to do your holy dance on the one-yard line, Fabian, because there is no reward on the one-yard line. There's only a reward when you cross the... And I love football because the whole ball don't even have to get there. Just the tip of the nose of the ball can cross the line. And as soon as they break the line, they consider you being in the end. 
My end zone is heaven. That's where I'm headed. And I'm doing everything I can do to cross the And when I cross the goal line, that's when in heaven the celebration is going to take place. I celebrate down here, but this is just a precursor. You know, I may dance a little bit when I get a first down. You know, I may dance a little bit, Finley, when I catch a long pass. But I'm going to really cut up if I get to the end zone. <laughs> I'm going to really cut up in the end zone. Why? Because in the end zone, I get points. On the field, I just cut up and have a good time, but I ain't got no. At the end of this race, I want some points. I ain't running this race just to be running. I'm running this so that when I achieve the goal, I'm going to get some. <laughs> he said, I press toward the goal of the prize. Somebody say the prize. There's the prize waiting on you out there. Of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Now look here. Then he says, therefore. Therefore, let us. Somebody say, let us. As many are as mature. See, now right there lets me know that everybody that's in the church and listening to me ain't mature yet. But they're still here. But he says, as many of us who are mature, those of you who are striving, those of you who are stretching out, those of you who are reaching forward, those of you who are heading toward the goal, as many of those of you who are mature, let's have the same mind. And if anyone thinks otherwise, God will reveal even this to you. In other words, if you don't see heaven as the end game, if you don't see the resurrection the same way that I do it, don't worry about it. Let's not argue about that right now. Let's agree on what we can agree on. And then if you really want to know and experience Jesus and God, God's going to reveal to you at some point in time what you need to know. I'm not going to argue with you. I ain't going to break friendship with you. I ain't going to do all that. I'm going to say, hey, in due time, if we continue to do what God's calling us to do, he will reveal to you the truth of his. So as many of you as are mature, you got to answer that question. Are you mature? Of where you are in your maturing level. Then he says, have this mind, and if anything, if any of you think otherwise, God revealed to you, even this to you. And look at this, verse 17, 16. He says, nevertheless, to the degree that we have already attained, Major, he's saying, to the degree that we've already got to this point in this journey, in this race, let's not give up no ground. To the degree that we have already attained, we ain't going back to the 10-yard line. We're on the 20-yard line right now. We're not finna go back and relitigate the 10-yard line that's way back there behind us. We're going to stand right here on this 20-yard line because we're better off here than we are back there on the 10-yard line. Too many Christians are giving up ground. God done brought you to a certain point in your life, and instead of you standing pat till he take you to the next level, you're starting to give up. He says, to the degree that we have already attained, let us walk by the same rule and let us be of the same mind. In other words, let us walk with the spirit of unity, but at the same time, this is the rule book that we play by. Let's deal with what the rule books say, and then as we mature and as we grow, then we walk together. But at the same time, when we disagree, let's not give up no ground. Man, don't give up what God has brought you from to go back to where he brought you from. Don't give up that. Don't give up the, the, the freedom and the, and the peace of mind that you have now to go back to chaos and confusion. Don't give up the ground that you have already achieved. And so therefore, we got to continue to strive toward that goal that is set before, realizing that each one of us are running our own race. Your race is not my race. I'm not judging my life by how you live your life because I got to stand before God for myself and you're going to have to stand before God for yourself. But as a pastor, I am concerned how you stand before him. Can I show you that? You see, because in Colossians chapter 1, Colossians chapter 1, when we look at this passage, and I'm going to focus in on the latter part, you know, verse 28, but I'm going to read some things to get there, but I don't want to spend a lot of time on 24 to 27, but I do want to stop on 28. He says, now, this passage re reflects 
beautifully the fact that the Apostle Paul and his you know, compadres were not satisfied with just fellowshipping with the Lord personally. He wanted everyone to enjoy the same experience that he was having with God. He wanted to be able to present all the people that he talked this gospel to, all the people that he shared this word with. He wanted to be able to present them perfect before God. So, brothers and sisters, I say to you in general and ministers specifically, we must do all that we can to help one another be mature and complete in the Lord so that we can be presented perfect before God. Perfect just means mature and complete. Finley, I think you a guy, and let me use you, my daughter, I can use her, she online. You know, Keisha, y'all people of higher education. Y'all have got multiple degrees. But when you go for your dissertation for your PhD, there's got to be a chair of a board, a chair of something that presents you. And when they present you, they're going to believe you have done all your research, that you can defend your argument or your position, because they don't want to present you as a fake or a fraud or unprepared. They want to present you mature and They want you to look like you're a finished product. And you're ready for this degree that they're about to confer on you. So the people who prepped you for that, because somebody had to put your name in the hat to try to get you to shoot for it, they got a vested interest that they present you with your best face, with your best evidence, with your best paper that you ever wrote, with your best dissertation or whatever it is y'all have to do. Somebody had to help me. I don't know all the technical terms, but I know it's hard work. And sometimes when you get presented by the right people, it's just the weight of the paper that determines whether or not you get the degree you're trying to get. Because half of them folks on the board don't read all your research. They look at who presents. And if the person who's presenting you got credibility, that gives you. Let me read this. Because Paul was concerned that he wanted to present the people that he taught perfect. Look at this. Verse 24, he says, I am glad when I suffer for you in my body. I am participating in the suffering of Christ that continue for his body, the church. In other words, when I go through persecution, I'm going through and I'm suffering for the gospel's sake. And when I do that, I'm glad about it. He says this, he says, God has given me the responsibility, somebody say responsibility, of serving his church by proclaiming his entire message to you. Preachers, we got to proclaim the truth of God's word to folk. We can't hold back the word. Now, specifically here, Paul was talking about he had an obligation to reveal this mystery to them that they didn't want to receive. And because some people did not want to receive the mystery, he suffered when he started presenting it to those who didn't want, did not agree with the message. Sometimes, preachers, everybody ain't going to agree with the message that you preach. But that don't mean you don't preach it. You're not trying to please man. You're trying to please God. And if God gave you something to preach, he know there's somebody out there who needs to hear. Don't hold back the message. Don't, don't sugarcoat the message. Don't preach only the part of the Bible that your folk love to hear. Preach the part of the Bible that they don't like to hear. Preach the whole Bible to them. Because one day, they may have to give an account, stand before God, and then he may say, did you not teach them that? How do you present them to me and you didn't even teach them about holiness. You ain't even say nothing about righteousness. You taught them how to be successful in life and how to gain riches, and you taught them how to be the best self that they can be. You taught them all that, but they can't bring that here. All that stuff you taught them to get that they can look at and shine and ride in, it's good to have while they're there, but they can't bring it. And ain't nothing wrong with it while they got it here, as long as they keep it in perspective, because I'm not going to quiz them about the car they drive when they get up here. <laughs> that ain't going to be on the examination. Oh, Lord, let me read on this. He said, now look, 
This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. Well, what is that? For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for you Gentiles. What? God wanted them to know that the Gentiles were supposed to enjoy in this riches, this glory, and be a partaker of the glory of Christ? I thought that was only reserved for us Jews. I thought we were the only ones supposed to get that. And you telling me that was a mystery, that was a secret, now you're going to reveal to me that all this heritage, all this stuff that we thought we was privileged and supposed to have, now you finna tell me that that was a mystery, that these Gentiles going to be entitled to some of this? Man, if I wanted to kill Paul, some of them. It ain't no different today. You know, your children got an inheritance. You got it stored up for them. And then you go out there and adopt little Johnny. And all of a sudden, you're going to give little Johnny just as much as you're going to give them. And he ain't been in the family for five years. But that's your right. If you want to give little Johnny a full portion of your inheritance, your kid just got to deal with it. Because you got a right to give what's yours to whoever you You can leave it to a cat. Some people do. And so what I'm trying to tell you, these folks was upset because the revelation was that now these Gentiles, these heathens, are going to receive some of the glory that we thought was only ours. He said, now look, and this is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. You got to wake up and realize who's living on the inside of you. you, if you the reason we live below our prison is because we don't know who lives inside of us. If we knew who lived inside of us and what he expected of us, man, we wouldn't have no problem striving and shooting for perfection. Because we know who lives inside. We know the standard that's on the inside of us. We know the glory that's on the inside of us. And because of what's on the inside of me, it won't let me be mediocre. It won't let me be subpar. It's going to challenge me to go even higher. Look at this. He says, now, Christ lives in you, and this gives you the assurance of sharing his glory. So look at this. Verse 28. So we tell others about Christ, warning everyone and teaching everyone. Somebody say warning. Some people, you got to send them a warning when you give them the word. Amen. And then some, after you warn them, you got to teach them. You got to teach folk what's in this Bible. They just ain't going to learn it. You got to teach them. And so therefore, when we warn people sometimes, at the same time, we got to teach people. Because once you've been taught something, you can be held up. Amen. Look at this. Y'all better get this. Warning everyone and teaching everyone with all the wisdom God has given us. Look at this. Why? Because we want, we, somebody say we. This teaching and, and, and warning is not a one-person thing. This is not a solo act. This is a we act. He says because we want to present them to God. Somebody say perfect. Wow. I don't want to just present Finley to this board any kind of way. Oh, this is my protege Finley. And you know, he done haphazardly ran through a little paper here he want to present to y'all. And I hope y'all please give him y'all undivided attention. And family got 30 seconds worth of material he want to share. What do I look like presenting him to that board? Now, now let me put this spiritually. What do I look like presenting you to God and I ain't gave you but 30 seconds worth of material? You can't even hold a 30-second conversation with God. You don't know enough about the Bible to hold a 30-second conversation with God. Now, if that's the case, then God's going to fire me when I get to heaven. Because he's going to say, you done sent these folk up here and presented them, and they don't know nothing. They want me to tell them how to get a car. Ain't no cars up here. They want me to tell them how to get some gold. All the streets of gold up here. 
They don't even know how to do that. It's some other thing they need to know to come into mind. Y'all go back and do some ritual. He said, look, I don't want to just present them any kind of way. And because I want to present them perfect in their relationship with Jesus, not with me, but it's all about him. I want to get you to know him better. Like Paul said, I want to be just like, I want to identify with his resurrection. I want to know as much as I can about him. I want your relationship to be as strong with Jesus as it can possibly be. And I can't do that by just sugarcoating the Bible and preaching you a 10-minute message and say, go home and have a great day. And I know some of y'all in the generation that's instant and microwave and everything can be done in three minutes or less, not here. You're in the wrong church if you're looking for a three-minute message. Now, I, ain't gonna, I, don't, I, don't, I, I don't compromise. I don't go an hour like I used to. But I definitely ain't finna give y'all no three-minute sermon. So, so if you, you just got to hear that because I take this serious. I believe it's true. So Paul said, look, pastor, when you get to heaven, you're going to have to give an account for the folk that's standing up here before me. You didn't even teach them about the depth of my resurrection. You didn't even talk about that. You didn't talk to them about holiness. You didn't talk to them about righteousness. You skipped over all that. Because that didn't push nothing. They ain't buying that. They don't hear that. So I talked to them about cars and houses and better jobs, all that. When you can get that without God. There's some folk that you work with right now got a better job that you do and don't even go to church. Don't even pray. Don't even fast. They make more money than you make. They drive a better car, live in a better house, and they ain't even here on Sunday morning. But they ain't going to be that either, probably. So I'm just doing my job. Say, Pastor, you're just doing your job. I'm just doing my job. Y'all may not like how I'm doing my job. I'm just doing my... Because I want to present you. Y'all ain't got to be scared. Talking about you. You ain't there yet, but you're shooting for it. Keisha, when you teach your students, I know you don't have a desire to present them as mediocre. After them been in your class for a whole year, and you just want little Johnny to D his way out of here? Oh, yeah, I'm so proud he got a D minus. I'm just so proud. They just barely made it into heaven. Oh, he got in at the last, just by the skin of his teeth, got in. I'm just so proud. Man, I want you to bust heaven wide open. And when you get there, I want you to be rewarded for your labor here on earth. Amen. Let me, let me go and read on. I know that wasn't going to go over too well, but I'm just trying to make it relevant, you know. I didn't have to bring Keisha and, you know, all them and then the PhDs and all that. I could have just read the text. But they tell me now when you're talking to different folks, you got to make it relevant to them because you don't make it relevant to them. They'll think this Bible ain't for them. So I'm just trying to make it relevant to where we are today. So, you know, all of y'all look at y'all little Johnnies and little Marys every day, and you don't say just be mediocre. Just be average. Just be subpar so that I can present you grown that you don't know nothing. You ain't been taught nothing. You don't know how to tie your shoes. You don't know how to do Some of y'all better go home and take a look at your children and see how you can present them. So don't look at just me teaching you. Look at how you're teaching your... How are you presenting your little Johnny to his first grade teacher? Do he even know there's an A in the alphabets? Have you even invested and bought him some little toys that sing to him and say A, B, C, D, and da, 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 da? Now he got to go to school and you present him. Here he is, five years old. And he don't even know what the A is. Shame on you as a parent. I know all y'all doing great jobs, man. I, I know y'all. Y'all are a modern generation. I look, at, I look at all the game toys my grandsons got, and them bad boys better be smart when they get to the first grade. 
They ain't going to be able to stand there and tell the teacher, my mama never bought me no toys that spelled and do colors and got squares and triangles and stars and all that. They got them all. And them little rascals play with them all. So if they learning anything from what they playing with, when she present them to that first grade teacher and say, show me a square. Show me a triangle. Show me a plus sign. Them little rascals going to be able to point it out. Because they already say, show me your nose. Show me your eyes. Show me your ear. Show me your belly button. You want to present them. And you want them to be... Y'all ain't like y'all scared to say that word perfect, man. I got to get that in y'all vocabulary. Ain't nothing wrong with you shooting for perfect, Pee-wee. When you go out there and lay a slab, do you want our slab that you just laid to be all crooked and leaning? You just laid us a slab out there. I ought to be able to go out there and lay a, a little plane, a trial, or whatever that thing, a measuring thing that, that, that with the little bubble in it. They ain't going to leaning like this and we done paid you. You ought to be able to say, hey, pastor, I want to present to you this slab and it is I'm just trying to make it relevant. Because when we read it sometimes from the Bible, we put it on everybody in the Bible, but we don't want to bring it to where we live in play. Verse 29, he said, that's why I work and struggle so hard. This is hard work. This ain't easy standing there looking at some of y'all faces. Keith, I can tell when you ain't feeling me. It shows up in your eyes. Man, oh, Lord. Oh, boy, that didn't went rich. You ain't feeling that. Let me move over here. <laughs> Let me move over here. Oh, PB ain't feel that. Let me get right back here, stay in the middle. Cause I understand this is hard. This ain't easy. <laughs> when you got to tell folks what they don't want to hear, this is. Paul said, that's why I work and I struggle so hard. Depending on Christ's mighty power that works in man, if it wasn't for the Lord that's in me. <laughs> I wouldn't even care what y'all learned. I mean, I wouldn't even be back there studying. I, the lady, I'm going to tell you, I spent, man, I hope, I hope all my studying ain't causing my sight to leave me later on. Because I spent too much time studying and researching just to stand up here for 45. Man, I'm struggling. I'm studying hard. And I hope that at least you remember one thing I say today. If you don't remember the whole message, just hold on to one point. So that when we get to heaven, I can at least say, hey, they got that one point that you made. They got that one point that, man, we got to strive to be presented perfect. Let me go ahead and close. I'm going to close this. This perfect message, I know if I was selling CDs, it would be still in this bookstore. That's why we give them away to y'all. You ain't got to buy nothing. Because this, this ain't just... That's why the Lord must have dropped this on me to close with. He said, let me close this challenging series. And the reason why I say challenging is because in order to pursue perfection, it requires special and exceptional effort. You just can't get there being average. You can't get there being mediocre. You can't get there being subpar. You just can't get there. So, so I want to close by adding some context to the scripture that I use. And, 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 and the text is the first is a part of Jesus' first sermon, his renowned Sermon on the Mount, which is in Matthew chapter 5 through verses chapter 7. And, 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 and where he opens our understanding of God and how God's kingdom is going to operate. And Jesus is the incomparable interpreter of what God meant when he said what he said. Bolden may misinterpret what God meant, but if Jesus say this is what God meant, he know what God meant. I got to rely on some human understanding, little study in other books, but Jesus know what his daddy meant. So in this part of the sermon, Jesus is prescribing the divine standard of love. Somebody say love. Baby, now I hear you talking about love, about love before you got up here today. 
Are you talking about love tonight? Are you sitting there in the opening and you talking about love and all that? Well, yeah, you're right on point. He was prescribing the divine standard of love that we must pursue. And he makes it crystal clear that our aim, our goal, and our lifelong pursuit is to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect when it comes to love. So in order to love like God, it requires special or exceptional effort. You can't get there in your human flesh. You can't get there in your own will and your own mind. You got to get there in the will of God and let his spirit keep, get, it, get inside of you and lead you and guide you. You know, uh, I, I, Keisha, I ran across a word, and I hope this helped me later on. I probably never use it, but it's a word called benignity. And they say, you know, I had to say, what? We got to get our spiritual benignity to a level that we allow compassion and kindness to exude from us. That no matter what someone do to us, no matter what someone say to us, we will have a benign response that is not going to be intended to hurt them because they hurt you. You can't get there in the flesh. You can only get there when you allow the Spirit of God, Mother, to lead you and guide you and direct you in everything that you do. Because in order to love at the level that God loves, you can't get there if you're going to try to love people in the flesh and how you feel. Y'all ready for this? I ain't going to start at verse 48. That's the ending. Let me go back to 43 because that's where this started at. He says now, talking to these religious leaders, he says, you have heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. That's speaking to the natural. That's easy to do. It ain't hard to hate folk that you don't like. It's hard to love folk that you hate. It don't take much for me to get you to hate folk that you don't like already. But it takes a whole lot of work for me to get you to love somebody that you don't like in the beginning. And he said, now, the Pharisees, they interpreted this wrong because they gave y'all a way out. They say, hey, long as you love everybody who look like you, the same ethnic group that you're in, the same religion that you're in, as long as they're Jews, you can love them. But anybody that's not like you, you don't have to, have to love them. He says, now look, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. Hate just a strong dislike for somebody or something. But I say, somebody say, but I say, that means I'm going to change some things. I got the right to change some things. I got the right to tell you what the Father really meant when that was put back there in the Old Testament in the book of Leviticus. I got the right to tell you exactly how you're supposed to interpret what you misinterpreted. But I say to you, love your enemies. Somebody love your enemies. I can see your flesh right now. Flesh ain't going to receive that. You ain't going to be able to receive that in the flesh. You, 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 got, you can't receive that. Flesh, flesh ain't going to buy that. Natural man ain't going to buy that. Your natural mind ain't going to buy that because you're going to say, that don't make sense. Radical love don't make sense. It wouldn't have made sense to me to send Jesus to die for you. And the not, that don't make Ain't none of y'all finna offer up y'all children for nobody else. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who, in other words, you say good things every time they say something bad. Ain't say you got to go and beat them up and stop them from saying bad things about you. It just say when they say something bad, you say something. What? She just called me this. Okay, well, she that. It's good. He just talked about me that way. He just talked about, okay. But I can't go to that level because I got to operate at a higher level because God wants me at a higher 
level in this thing called love, and I can't go there if I say the same thing that they say to me. Somebody say bless. That means with your mouth, you can speak a blessing on somebody who's cursing you. You know that same person that told you, you better get your blank, blank, blank out of my blank, blank face before I blank you? Girl, I just want you to know I love you. And if there's anything I can do to help you? Because right now, you, you know, you're upset about something. What, what can I do to help you? I, I mean, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, you just tell me. Ain't no price to it. If I got it, you got it. See, y'all ain't ready for that yet. Y'all ain't ready for that level of love. That's what I'm saying. You, you ain't ready for it. That level of love don't make no sense. And, and, and you know, we just got to learn in, in, the, in the men's group this morning that certain things from the Old Testament for us to learn from. Well, this is in the New Testament for us to apply. Am I right about that, Lathan? You know, there are some things that were written in the past that we can learn from. When Jesus said this, he meant for us to uh, Ah, God. This is the last one. Ain't another perfection, a per- perfect lesson out there yet. Let the Lord give me another one, but ain't, I ain't got one for y'all. So y'all just got to get all this right now. And just deal with it. He says, now look. Bless those who curse you and do good to those that what? What? Now we can practice that. You know, all y'all got some haters out there, probably. Y'all got some people. I mean, I mean, they hate you and they hate, hate like, want to kill you that way. But you know, you got some folks that don't like you. Just don't like you. They hate on you. So the Bible just gave you what you're supposed to do. What if they favor this or they favor that? You're supposed to go get it for them. It got real quiet right there. Lord, have mercy. Is there anybody in here with me today? I, I know y'all going to try to tell me, oh, we just absorbing this. We just letting it set in. Now I want you to respond like, hey, I got that, Pastor. I'm ready to run out of here and do just what Jesus. Because y'all been absorbing long enough. Absorbing don't always bring about action. Sometimes your actions got to be preceded by your word. Hey, pastor, when I leave here, I'm going to do just what that pastor I'm going to go and call somebody I know that don't like me, I'm having issues with, da 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 and I know their favorite thing is that this is their favorite thing. Boy, they all, if you're able to, man, I'm just, you, this is as an example, just coming, man, they always been talking to me, they just always wanted that little pinky ring, that little friendship pinky ring, and I can get it. I'm going to go get it, put it in the mail, special delivery, Two-day service. Bam. All because I love you. I can see it in some of your eyes, Pastor. We ain't that yet. <laughs> we, we ain't perfected that thing like that yet. I'm just telling you, you got to get there. That got to be your goal. That got to be your aim. Pee-wee, come on, you can work with me. I know there's some people that's about that day. You say, man, I know they're going to cross me. I tell them, I'm going to get them. People, you're supposed to do something nice for them. I know I see you shaking your head. People say, man, man, look here. I don't know why you're coming at me like that, but you know, I just, I just I, I, you know, this is what Jesus said. Did he not say do good to those that hate? Then he said pray. Y'all just want to get to the pray part. <laughs> I'm just going to pray for him. I'm going to pray for him. I'm going to keep praying for him. Then he done told you before you start praying, do some good. Oh, Lord. Pray for those who spitefully use you and persecute you. So you do good to those that hate you, then start praying for those people. And when you're praying for them, you ain't praying the Old Testament prayer. You ain't praying damnation on them. God, I sure hope you're sitting down a boat of lightning and take them out. You know, I'm just tired of them on me. They've been on me ever since day one. Lord, just let something. No, no, no. God, I want you to bless them. 
and I want you to get that anger out of them. I want you to get that food. I want whatever it is that's in them that's making them treat me this way. I want you to get that out of them, God. I'm going to pray to them. I'm going to keep that before you. I'm going to keep praying. And I'm going to keep praying to them, keep praying, because only you can change that heart that's in that person that keep messing with me like this. And this is Jesus' first teaching. He was just outlining what the kingdom going to be like. And he said, look, if you can't handle this now, you ain't going to be able to handle it later. Now look at this. He says, all of those things you got to do that you may be sons or daughters of your father in heaven. Your relationship is depending on how you treat folks. Y'all better say amen. Jesus just said that if you can't pray for those folks who use you, if you can't love those folks who hate you and do good to those, you can't bless folks who curse you, then you may have some problem with your relationship. Let me read on. I'm glad this is in red. So if y'all got an issue, you take it up with Jesus. He said that you may be sons and I added the word daughters because I know it meant inclusive there, of your father in heaven. And look at this, this way he gives them a natural analogy. He says, he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good. He sends the rain on the just and the unjust. You know, the last couple of days, it's been raining cats and dogs here. You know, that rain didn't go out there and say, well, I'm going to skip later. I know he don't like rain. He didn't mess up his whole schedule. I'm going to skip later. He's a good guy. I'm going to just let it rain on that evil guy. When the rain came, it fell on everybody, little rain. Whether they were good, whether they were bad. And when the sun going to come up this afternoon, it ain't going to go over there and dry Latham House out in my yard out no quicker. It's going to dry that bad, no good scoundrel that lived across the street around the corner. His yard going to get dry too. His flower going to start blooming too. Because God is saying that even though he's a low-down scoundrel, I still sent Jesus to die for him. And as long as there's breath in him, there's hope for him. And so I got to show him love just like I show you love because my love does not discriminate. I got to love that dude because it was my love that drew you here, so it's going to be the same love. So what he's saying that, look, when it comes to this level of love, you got to love people like I love people. Don't get to the point where you say, oh, man, I don't want the sun to shine on that person today. They, they ain't both have a good day. I want their life to be full of rain all the time. But he says he make the rain shine on the just and the unjust. Now look at this. Then he kind of stick his finger in the eye from a Jewish standpoint, because this is kind of like a Jesus way of doing a mild, you know, rebuke slash insult, because he says, if you love those who love you, what reward have you? Do not even the tax collectors do the same? You know, to be compared to a tax collector was an insult. You know, you come to church and all you love is church folk. But don't even other folks who don't come to church love their kind? The gang member down the street, he loves his gang buddy, just like you love your church member. The problem is, can you love him like you love your church? Can you love him like you love your church member? Can you love him to the same degree that God loves him, even though he's in a... You don't have to love his gang activity. God ain't asking you to love what he do. God asks you to love who he is. His person. He is a person. He, he is a human being. He says, and if you greet your brethren only, what do you do more than others. Don't even the tax collectors do so? So, it ain't no big deal when you leave out of here and start texting all your friends. Girl, this man, this man, you go, ooh, I just had this happen to me, I just want you to know. Well, text somebody you don't like. Send somebody that's on your hate list. 
a nice text today. You ain't got nothing to lose. You're just being obedient. I mean, don't, don't, don't send your best friend no text. Girl, you should have been at church today. Pastor, real funny. Funny. He had us laughing. But did you learn anything? Are you going to walk out here and text that person you ain't spoke to in 10 years? And the Lord done brought him to your spirit right now. You can see him clear as day. But you're going to fight that. You're going to refuse that. You're going to reject that. I rebuke that thought, that, that thought. No, <laughs> you're rebuking the wrong thing. See, this is spiritual warfare. Y'all want to be spiritual. If I tell you, let's go and bring somebody up here and cast something out of them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But when I say let's go and send somebody a text and tell them you love them when you know they don't care about you. It'd be easy for me to get it, lay them up here and slay them in the spirit. <laughs> then to get some of y'all to sense. This is weird warfare here. Jesus is outlining the plan for warfare. He said, look, man, look, don't you realize if you can get your enemy to change his attitude, then that means you ain't got to fight that rascal. Later. You're going to end up fighting them anyway if you don't do nothing. But you ain't got nothing to lose by trying to make him your friend. So we got to be better than tax collectors. We got to be better than just talking to people that only look like us and eat the same type of food we eat and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Man, we got get, get to talk to some folks that different, don't look like you that you may even think hate on you, then you just got to love on them. Because if you're just going to hate on them, then you ain't no better than they are. I'm done. Let me, I, I ain't going to no, get no too much response on this. This ain't no good call and response message. This ain't one no theologically favoring. I can't call it out and they're going to respond back. It ain't going to happen like that with them. Oh, this requires some action on our part. I'm gonna call back. I'm finna hawk pastor. I'm gonna run. Can I, get, can I get a witness right here? Give me a witness. Who gonna run out of here and do just what Pastor just said? Can I get a witness? Can I get a witness? Can I get it? That's a call to response. I'm gonna, who gonna take something that Jesus just said and I'm gonna run out of here and do just what this word say and see what results I get from following the word of God. Then that's why the word in verse 48 is the first word is therefore. Therefore connects everything we just said to that. Therefore, you shall be perfect. Well, he's talking about perfect in what? Love. The whole context of this in this particular passage is about so you got to perfect your love if you want to be like your father in heaven whose love is perfect. Y'all better get that. And if you can perfect, I hope this means something to somebody, if you can perfect your love, then you can perfect your relationship with him. And the more you reflect love, the more you reflect him. Because the Bible says God is love. And so that's the very essence of who he is. And if you want to be like him, then you got to exhibit. Love got to be in your DNA. And he's saying, if you want to be like your father in heaven, if you want to be perfect like him in this area, you got to love some folk that don't love you, that hate you, talk about you, treat you all kind of way. And look here, Jesus was just, you know, having a theological discussion and philosophizing with these folk. He knew that he had to live everything he just got through talking about. Man, they're going to they persecute me, but I got to still say, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. I got to forgive them. You know, you know, one of my boys got beside himself and cut the dude's ear off. And I had to come and be a doctor on the spot. Even though that was my enemy, I picked his ear up. Put it back. I could have said, Peter, go for it, man. Go and cut his head off the next time. That dude come to kill me. He come to kill Peter, you just did without, you know, no, no, Peter. Put the sword up. Put the sword down. 
I got some Peters in Stroud, they'll cut you. <laughs> they'll cut you. There's some Peters off up in here. They'll cut you. My job is to put the sword up. Let me pick the ear up. Put it back on. Because you got to love them and not cut them. Jesus had to do all that. He wasn't just preaching to be preaching. He was preaching it so that he could let them know, I got to live the very thing that I'm preaching to you. So I'm not going to just preach something to you and then not be that example for you. So what I'm trying to tell you, Jesus is our perfect example. We follow him, and if we exhibit love, the more we exhibit love, the more we're like Jesus, the more we're like God. And the more we're like God, man, the more perfect we so in essence, in closing this lesson, you ought to be shooting to be perfect like God and not subpar like the devil. Not below your privileges just by being average and mediocre. And if you're shooting to be like God, Major, and you hit Gabriel on the way up, and you look like him, at least you're going in the right Right direction. At least you should maybe say, I, I didn't get all the way there, but boy, I got, I got my wings and I, I look a little bit like Gabriel, so I'm in the right direction. I'd rather look like Gabriel than to look like Satan and his. So he said, My aim is upward, not downward. You can't aim up and be shooting for subpar at the same time. Pursue perfection. In everything that you do, pursue perfection. If you challenge your children to go to school and try to be perfect, you know they can't get it all the time, but you never say, go to school, baby, and bring me back some dogs. Just bring me back a card full of dogs. I'm happy. I'm going to pat you on the head and just love you to death. I'm going to love you, but I ain't going to do too much patting and rewarding because the dogs ain't the goal. I'm going to challenge you to try to get that A, even though I know you may be a B plus or a B minus student. I ain't going to say go in there and just shoot good, just, just shoot for your little B. No. You may, the Lord may show you something on that test, and you may just stumble in on it. Stumble on it, A. Because you were shooting for it, you may just. But I guarantee you, if you shoot for that D, you're going to get it. <laughs> you're you going to get it, you're going to get it, you're going to get it. It ain't going to be hard to get that, but it's going to be hard. and going to require effort to shoot for something. A little bit higher. Heaven is worth shooting for, y'all. Y'all better hear me today. Heaven is worth shooting for. Eternal life is worth shooting for. So therefore, we got to pursue it with everything that's within us. We got to pursue it because it's worth shooting for. Amen? Give the Lord another hand clap of praise. I'm through. I'm through. Hallelujah. I pray that you got something out today's lesson. I pray that you got something out this series. And I pray that God will continue to reveal himself to you as you continue to grow into the fullness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen? Every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I got several appeals. My first appeal is for salvation. If you're here in the church and you're not saved and you want to give your life to Christ, I pray that you will make that decision right now. If you're online and you're watching and you have not accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, my goal is to encourage you to make him the Lord of your life today. You can't go wrong. Pastor's not going to expect you to give your life to the Lord today and be mature tomorrow. I realize you're going to make mistakes. You're going to continue to grow, and you're going to continue to go through that process. But perfection is a lifelong process, and God realized that. But he still expects us to shoot for the best. And so if shooting for the best, start with Jesus. You need to have him as your personal Lord and Savior. So I, I encourage you today, I beg you, if you haven't made him the Lord of your life, please do so today. You can't go wrong. So if you're online, I ask that you give us a call here at the church, 862-3899. If you're in the church today, I ask you to just raise your hand, and we have ushers that will come and get some information from you if you're in the church. Amen. I see no hands. My second appeal is time for our prayer. And so if you... If you got a prayer concern, we ask that you just kind of take that before God in your seat.
Those of you online, I just ask that you make your petitions known to God because you have a, access to the kingdom now. You have access to our Heavenly Father. And I'll just pray. Eternal God, our Father, we honor you and give you thanks on today for the word that has gone forth. I pray, God, that your word is taking root into hearts and minds of your people. I pray, God, that whatever their concerns that they have, God, that they can cast their cares on you. You know where they are, God. You know what they're going through. You know every challenge. You know every struggle. God, you know every, every pain. You know every ache. So, God, I just pray that you just meet them where they are. Put your loving arms around them. Comfort them. Give them peace. Those who have lost loved ones during this season, God, I pray that you give them the comfort that only you can give. Those who are dealing with health challenges, God, I pray that you would touch their bodies and their minds and strengthen them as they go day by day. God, those that's dealing with relationship issues, God, I pray that you will strengthen and mend those relationships. And those, God, who may be sitting under the sound of my voice that know that, that part of that scripture where they need to reach out to someone that they know that have a strong dislike for them, I pray, God, that you'll speak to their heart right now and let them be obedient to your word, not to Pastor Bolden, but to your word, God, because they're going to be blessed by obeying your word, not by obeying Pastor Bolden. So, God, I thank you for what you're going to do in advance, and we say all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.